Michael Bauman. You're about to hear an interview that originally aired on the R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco feed. It's with Yankees ace Garrett Cole on adjusting the pandemic, forming relationships with new teammates, and the potency of the Yankees lineup. If you don't know, R2C2 is part of the Rigger Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, go follow it on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. They just released a great episode with Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, and Curtis Granderson commemorating the centennial of the founding of the Negro League. Enjoy the interview. Well, Garrett, I feel like we just need to start with congrats, man. You're a father now. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy six weeks uh, juggling quite a few things, but um, boy, has it been fun. Does that change anything? Like change your routine? Like how's it been like with your routine and trying to get to the field and everything going on? Like, does it help you think? I think it certainly helps. It just, I mean, the whole thing gives you a completely new perspective on life, right? And um, as far as the routine going to the field, I get to catch him a couple times before I head in. Um, and I think he wakes up like the second time about the, the time that I wake up. So it, it works out great. <laughs> you know, Garrett, I'm wondering, like, knowing just how crazy our world has been during, you know, obviously the last five months, how was it just going through the end of a pregnancy while we're going through a global pandemic? You know, she has a good perspective on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were quite lucky because we just got to spend so much time together. Uh, and when we found out that we were pregnant, she was pregnant, um, you know, you think about the months coming up, you know, right before giving birth and how strenuous that can be uh, and not being to be able, not being to be around her in a normal situation. Um to having to be around her every single day, getting to be around her every single day. It was, uh, it was a blessing in disguise for sure. Yeah, that, I mean, that had to be fun to be able to be there with her and, you know, be around. Like, for all four of my kids, like, there were summer pregnancies. So, like, I was always going on the road and I missed <laughs> miss Jaden being born. Like, so it, it was, uh, it, it makes it tricky during the season. But that's, that's awesome that you guys got a chance to spend that time together and, and really now be able to spend that time together and, and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of love on them. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. So it, it's funny, man. Cause see, we've talked about this. Like some people are like, you know, Oh man, like I can, you know, I got to get away from my family. This is too much. And then you have other people. Like I know you fall in this camp. See, I fall in this camp. Garrett, it sounds like you do as well that are used to traveling so much that are like this, you know, obviously the illness aspect of it aside and certainly wanting more things open, but what a blessing and yeah, I've actually really loved all this time with my family and my loved ones. Like, it's actually been a blast, and I never would have had this time otherwise. For me, like, coming right off of um, retiring, and, you know, my kids are so busy all over the place. So to be able to just have them all in the house, you know, and quarantine and, like, get that kind of that time back to, like, reconnect with them, uh, it was definitely a blessing, man. You know, you have no choice but to somehow try to at least frame it positively for yourself so you can get through the next step. And mm -hmm. um, that's that's kind of how how we took it. I mean, it would uh, CC already elaborated on it. it he, he never had the opportunity that I did. So I'm pretty excited for it. 
And, and I know, I know, like you and Amy are close. Like me and Amber are close, so that makes it fun too. Yeah. Like you get a partner that you can't stand, and you got a quarantine, then, <laughs> that's, then, sure, yes, then exactly. that's a little different. Well, it flowed. It flowed really. It flowed really well. It flowed really well. Um, I, I, you know, it was. It, we we don't have any you know real friends out here. All our friends and family are mostly in California. But you know, at the same time, how much hanging out with other people was anybody really doing during that period anyway? So, mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah, and it's nice to have somebody that, that, you know, you can really partner up with Amy and I have been together for over 10 years at this point. And so it kind of reminded us back to like college days when we were just, you know, grinding in some, you know, apartment within, uh, <laughs> with, within 400, 500 feet of each other. And we're essentially <laughs> like living to, with each other, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Garrett, this is obviously, I mean, it's a weird season. We all know that. For you, on the mound, and you're off to a great start, which we all would have imagined, but on the mound, how much different does it feel within your starts compared to the way it normally feels when you're competing in the big leagues with a full stadium? Yeah, the self-talk is a bit uh, easier to hear sometimes. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that, I think that I really miss the fans. I just, I do. Um, I, I think we talk about it almost every day now, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad, I don't, maybe we should, you know, just try to be focused on what we can control, but, um, you know, you, you do, you play and you play hard, like for yourself, but also for other people and like to not be able to share that with them is, is a bit challenging. And, and, you know, some of the normal distractions that you would have, which would be like somebody yelling at you is now like nobody's yelling at you, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's posed, it's, it's posed some of its challenges. I think everybody has had to kind of look inside themselves and overcome to a certain extent. Um, hopefully it gets better as, as, as we keep going along. Um, you know, we've had our bumps, but, uh, hopefully the road smooths out ahead. I, I, yeah. I felt like it wouldn't affect you because I know how you are and like on the mound, like, you know, you locked in, but as far as like, you know, the fans and like, that's a home field advantage for us. Like you come to the Bronx and the fans are rowdy. Like that, that throws people off. You know what I mean? Like starters, yeah. whoever else, like they get, they get nervous about coming to the Bronx. So uh, I'm for sure looking forward to, you know, you guys getting the fans back in there and getting really getting that home field advantage and, and kind of get you getting that feel of pitching in the Bronx with a packed stadium. I've heard, I'm, well, yeah, that every time I've, every time I've pitched there at a packed stadium, it's been a hundred percent against me. So I would like to see it be like to be a hundred percent for me because I enjoyed it when it was against me too, you know? You're so going like, to love it when it's for you. I promise you, you're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garrett, have you guys got any feel as to whether or not there's a possibility of having some portion of the crowd at some point during this season? Um nothing has been like officially said to us. We did come across an article about Cincinnati, the Reds allowing fans sooner rather than later. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of a, you know, I don't know. I think it was on like a bleacher report or Larry Brown, something. So I'm not quite sure of the credibility. It's not like I've seen it in USA today, but definitely heard some murmurings. Um, so I guess we hope. Yeah. It'd be, Cause I feel like, you know, normally it's all perspective. Right. Like if, if you normally were pitching in a ballpark, 25 percent full, you'd be walking out there saying, oh, I'm, what's with the atmosphere today? But you go from no fans. Right. All of a sudden, I'm sure that would provide some energy, even if it's, you know, 
even if you see fans spaced and it and it obviously looks sparse, it's going to look full after what you've gone through. Uh, especially if it's the right twenty-five, the loud twenty-five, then <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it'll it'll it, they'll 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 make up for you know like a three-quarters crowd that's lazy. So um, yeah, we're we're holding out hope for sure. Um, you know, but the games are still edgy. That's uh, that's for sure. As as you probably could tell from the you know Tampa Bay series this last <laughs> this last weekend and and some other times, you know you just hear everything on the field um, and you know we're playing for keeps, so it's it's a uh, it's, it's unique, it's different for sure. That's what I was going to ask you about, like hearing all the chirping from the dugout. I feel like that would get super intense, especially like I know me, I chirped a lot, so like no fans <laughs> in the stands and it's quiet and then. I'm start. I start yelling. I for sure would have started a couple fights for sure. So, yeah. what, what's that? What's that like? Like hearing the chirping in the dugout from the other team? Well, I, I mean, I haven't had. I haven't. I don't think anybody's chirped at me. And then I think, um, I think in terms of like, I know what you're saying. How like everybody's talking some, you know, everybody's talking trash in the dugout, and and you do it like loud enough so that everybody in the dugout can hear you. But you don't like do it loud enough to like all the time loud enough to, for the other team to hear you. And yeah. so like I, it's it's those comments are definitely like you're in the middle. Like I don't really want them to hear this, but like I want to fire up the guys. And then there's the <laughs> challenge of sometimes you're like sometimes you're like way down there, you know, like in the trough. You're not in the dugout, so you're like, let's go, yeah. And you know that you know that everybody's listening. To you. you know, like it's just bouncing. You know. It's bouncing off the, the ceiling, so I don't know. It's 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 uh it's, it's different. It's different. See, it's different. Ruko, I would I would have started a lot of fights in this fucking atmosphere. Oh I promise you. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> uh, are you kidding me? You would have. You I would have been horrible started, for this atmosphere. Uh, you you'd have been like Loriano walking from the mound to the dugout to go challenge someone. One thousand percent. They threw at DJ. Four, I counted this last series four times. They went up and in. I would have charged somebody for sure from the day out. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, when you're like, because uh, one of the things um, that gets talked about a lot during your broadcast, and I know I found myself saying it, even I was doing some of the broadcasting during uh, the intra-squad games you were doing, and, and it just seems like there's this palpable focus from you and intensity. Um, and... When you are on the mound in these situations with the different circumstances, do you still feel that same level of intensity, focus, engagement that you normally do in prior seasons, obviously, without these unusual circumstances? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. And I just try not to be too hard on myself, too, because like we're 16 games into a season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, normally, uh, so that's what I was alluding to earlier when I said like the self-talk, like it's very, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it can be a little, it can be a little hard to like, you know, kind of keep it, keep it positive in those situations. But the focus is, is definitely there. Cause there's, there's edge. I mean, you feel, you know, you definitely feel the other team. So that, that, that turns the switch for sure. It feels real. It feels real. Well, I mean, you know, I was thinking about it this way. See the other day, I was like, when you're growing up playing, right. Like you're playing whatever high school ball or youth ball or whatever it is, you know, you're not necessarily playing in front of more than like a few parents, you know, and, and, and you feel it's the, it's the opponent that drives the competition, right? For sure. I mean, but when you become a Yankee, 
the fan, the fan <laughs> no seriously the yeah. fans are a part of it like that's yeah. a part of of being a yankee is playing in the bronx and dealing with these fans and like for us like you know for me coming here and for garrett coming here like you get the shit into that when you a visiting player like you yeah. want that you know what i'm saying like you want to feel that energy when i pitched in the bronx i felt invincible a lot a lot of times like just because i knew i had the energy of, of the stadium behind me you know what i'm saying yeah so it's different. I mean, it's probably different for guys in Detroit or Tampa because they never play in front of fans. No disrespect, <laughs> but it is what it is. Like, you come to New York, and, and, and even when we go on the road, the stadiums are packed because everybody's coming to see us. Garrett, when, when you are, when you're self-talking, what's the thing you're most commonly saying to yourself on the mound to kind of get yourself locked in or lined up? Um, just, I guess, whatever whatever I feel, whatever like adjustments I've been making in the bullpen, um, you know, just to kind of do simple reminders. Most of the time it's to stay aggressive within the strike zone. Like, you know, I just don't like throwing balls a lot. Um, <laughs> and so uh, situational stuff, you know, game, game situations, the next pitch, what I didn't like about the last pitch. There's, there's kind of a lot. Um, and the, depending on the situation, I guess it would vary a little bit. But most of the time, it's you know just trying to motivate yourself, I guess, more or less, to just you know stay on edge and stay right there. It's very easy to go down that rabbit hole of being of negative. You know what I'm saying? Like especially when you're on the mound, it's, it's, it, it makes it's easy. So you have to have like little cues and little things, like you know little adjustments you want to make within your body, or like he said, you know, in your what you've been working on in the bullpen. You always trying to tell yourself. To whatever it is, stay back, whatever, you know, get the ball out, whatever you're trying to do um, is what you're talking to yourself about most of the time when you're on the mound. You know, you guys, uh, you can both um, relate to this in different ways. Like the idea of when you have that stuff, see, you talked about before, where you just know, like, no one could touch me today. You know, I mean, you see, you had that stuff for obviously a huge portion of your career. You adjusted at the end. Garrett, you're still right in the throes of having that stuff. But I know one of the things you've talked about is, hey, those starts where I don't have my A stuff, you know, being able to being able to navigate to kind of like nerd out from a pitching standpoint. Because, see, one of the things I love about this pod is we've learned that you actually love nerding out about pitching. We weren't <laughs> sure in the beginning, but you but sure. you, you you've gotten into that. What is tangibly when you're on the mound, Garrett, you have your A stuff or you don't. Let's say you get on the mound. You have your B stuff. How different, like how quickly do you know and how much differently are you going through your process then on the mound within that start? So, you know, quickly, right? But you always hold out hope that, <laughs> that the A game's going to come later. It's going to come. Right? It's going to come. Like, it's going to be all right. Like, it's not that bad. And, you know, sometimes the most... Sometimes the most encouragement can just be like some BS from your catcher. Like, dude, it's good fastball today. And it's like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll roll with it. Or, or maybe you believe him and maybe you believe him and it, and it does turn into a good fastball. But I would say um, outside of that, uh, you definitely want to, you definitely want to be like present, be self-aware and know like, okay, are they swinging and missing today? Are they seeing it? How are they reacting? Once you take that temperature within the moment, uh, it really kind of depends on the game situation. Is it, are you on the, are you at home? Are you on the road? Do you have a lead? Is it tied? Uh, and I learned a lot of those things, um, because the national league 
kind of forces you to manage the game a little bit, especially pitch count too. Um, if you want to try to get deep into the game and, and try mm. to get a win, because the more innings you get, the more chance you, you get to secure the win. Uh, so that's one direction takes you one way, the other direction, but, but by and large, that's, that's the approach. I mean, he's right. You find, I mean, you know, right away in the bullpen, even for me, like sometimes playing catch, um, when I would be, when I was younger, I'd be, I, lo- I would know, you know, but the fastball's not there or, you know, my changeup's not going to be there today, but you know, I would just try to go out and and really just compete that day. You know what I mean? Those were the days where I was just grinding. Like, you know, trying to be aggressive in the strike zone, trying not to waste pitches, trying to pitch the contact, um, and just get some quick outs. I, 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 those days, I would, I would use my two-seamer a lot. Um, I would pitch in a lot more, you know, try to make them uncomfortable, try to make it seem like I have my shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> just trying to fake it till, it till it came, hopefully by the third, yeah. fourth inning. You know what I mean? But... Um, it was just always little things I would do. I would, I would definitely throw a lot of more two seamers and I would pitch in a lot more on the days that I didn't have, uh, my, my really good fastball. Yeah, I, I would, I would echo that too. And I would say that, um, if it's not your two seamer or your, or your change up, it's, it's whatever, whatever weapon that you have matches up greatest that, you know, you're not afraid to go to the hole all the time from the get go when you know, you don't have your stuff. So if the guy can't hit a slider and you don't have a great fastball that day, I mean, you're starting with the slider and going to the fastball as opposed to you're going to start with the fastball and go to the slider. Um, that especially is true when the game's tight, you know, now if you get a bit of a lead, there's nobody on and you know, maybe your goal has changed to try to get deeper uh, and you have a little bit of room, you have a little bit of rope to say, I can challenge him in this situation because seven out of 10 times it's an out, even if he puts a good swing on it. Uh, you know, you can, you can kind of manage it in, in that sense. Um, but it is, it, it is definitely different going from the national league to the American league, but there still is, you know, it's more challenging because of the DH you have to, the lineup is another, is another one and a half to two holes deeper uh, typically in the national league. Um, so it's, it, 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 each league poses its own challenges. For, for sure. I mean, I, when I went from Cleveland to Milwaukee, I remember that first start I had against Colorado and I was just kind of like, kind of trying to spot up around the zone and, you know, just trying to pitch like I was in the American league. And I remember I came in after the game and Kendall was like, bro, this is the national league has like, Seven, eight, nine are fucking outs. Like, you got to get them out. You can't be fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be fucking around with these guys. So that just made me, like, be aggressive. Like, and from then on, when, even when I came back to the Yankees, to the American League, I would just try to be super aggressive in the strike zone and, and not, not fuck around, not waste pitches. Not, like, you know, like you said, I didn't want to throw a lot of balls. Um, you know, Cliff Lee, me and Cliff are, are really close. And you have, you guys are a lot alike on the mound and how you think and, he would always tell me, like, bro, what are you doing? Like, your shit's way better than mine. Just fucking throw the ball over the plate. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was never scared to give up runs. He was so confident um, early. And, you know, I just kind of learned from that, too. And, you know, having those conversations with him and, you know, just kind of learning my, getting my confidence more and more because, you know, I wasn't really a, you know, I didn't pitch all the time when I was younger. So I was kind of learning mentality and everything in the big leagues. I was learning everything in the big leagues. So um, having Cliff around was, was huge for me, too. Is there a time, like, Garrett, where, like, all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, like, I don't need to be worried when I don't have my A stuff, right? Because I'm sure it's a part of pitching forever, right? But 
I would imagine as you learn to navigate better throughout the course of your career, when you don't have like your top level stuff, there's a different level of like, yeah, okay, well, one hurdle that I don't have any longer is worrying about not having my A stuff anymore. Like, can you remember when you kind of got to that place where you're like, oh, okay, I know I have enough. Like, I don't have to be freaked out by this. Um, I, I think it just comes with collecting wins on bad days. <laughs> like it just comes with experience, right? Yeah. Like, dang, I was pretty, I was pretty, I was pretty trash today. And, and we scored a few runs early and, you know, I pitched around the zone. And so, I, you know, then that's a win. That's a win in the big leagues. So, um, yeah, there's no worry. I mean, obviously you're, you're trying to perfect it. Right. And, and so, there's a part of you that's not satisfied when you don't bring out the A game, even though it's unrealistic to expect it every single time. Um, but by and large, like uh, those numbers are those numbers are personal. The team the team win at the end of the game. That's that's what matters. So just just figure out how to get it done, I guess. And and, and so I'm pretty confident every time I go out there that I, regardless of what I got, I can I can figure it out. That and and that that'll be like. That's what helped me later in my career. Like, I didn't, I mean, I knew I didn't have shit the last four years. So I didn't even have to worry about it. But I knew I was going to go out and compete. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going out to try to kick somebody's ass. And it just came from the days when you don't have your good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it, 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 it helped my mentality as I got older when I'm fucking throwing 88-mile-an-hour cutters and backdoor sliders. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 that mentality started when I was younger in those games when I had to compete when I didn't have my stuff. I think the first few, few times you feel like you're lucky and then the next few times, you know, you kind of don't believe it. And then after that, you're like, no, bro. Like, even if, <laughs> even if I had my bad stuff and 10 of those wins, like I did what I needed to do seven out of the 10 times to get to, for, for us to, for us to win the game. And the other three times I got lucky. So I'm still shooting 70% and I got a, and I'm getting 30% luck. So I'm, I'm in a good spot. You, you know what's interesting, Garrett, because you talk about wins and like I, I know you're analytically, uh, you know, aware and and verse. And I like to think that I am as well. See, I know you're getting more and more into all the numbers as well. <laughs> <laughs> but like I still I still value pitcher wins and and just hearing. See, I know, you know, I know you seem to to a certain degree. Garrett, hearing you talk. It sounds like you do to a certain degree too. I mean, for people who, am I right in saying like, yeah, you still look at like your wins and they hold value to you, your pitcher wins, even though you know, hey, that may not be the most like indicative stat anymore in an analytical era. Well, do you want to go see? I mean, if first of all, if you're a Yankee, it's it's probably your favorite stat across the board. And then outside of outside of that, like, it it's it's a great. I mean. It's a, I don't know. I try, you're trying to win. So like every time yeah. you step on the field, right? Like every time yeah. you step on yeah. the field, if you can walk away with it with a W, you're like, this is a good day. Um, yeah. I don't know. So it's maybe it's a, maybe it's a stat that's indicative of like how you perform in the heat of the moment, maybe. Um, and then some of the other stuff is indicative to like, you know, your true, uh, maybe I guess, raw talent level in a certain in, to a certain extent but i guess there's a talent to win games too yeah i'm not sure if i'm making any sense no, no you are no, making 1, sense 1000%. Yeah. there's yeah. a talent in winning games bro people like there's guys that 
that can't win games. Get to the sixth, seventh inning, crunch time, and they give up a double, triple homer. Like, we've seen that a million times. There's a there's definitely a talent in the art to winning games. Like, but for me, as far as, like, pitcher wins, I never really cared. I just cared about my team winning. I w- and I honestly, like, looking back on it, I wish I cared about my own personal stats a little more because I probably would have, I could have had more wins if I cared, but I just only cared, really cared about my team winning. I, I never really, I never really honestly cared about my record, but, to be honest. Let me, let me throw out two li- a line and each of you guys say what you prefer, right? In both cases, your team wins, okay? In one case, you go seven innings, you give up two hits, no runs, uh, you have 12 strikeouts, no decision, your team wins, okay? The other case, you go seven innings, you give up five hits, two runs, same amount of strikeouts, you get the win, and your team wins. Would you rather take the seven shutout innings and you get the person you don't get the personal win or the seven innings, two runs, and you get the personal win? Either way, your team's winning. I take the seven shutout with the with the no decision. Because, really? because like Garrett said, seven out of the ten times, I'm gonna win that game. You know what I'm saying? I was just unlucky on that day. But for the most part, if I'm going seven, giving up nothing, we're going to win the game. So I feel pretty good about that. I would say I would probably I would probably say the same thing. I, I, I guess I'd probably be frustrated about giving up the two runs, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you give up those two runs, like that can, you, that can turn into a loss. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially yeah. if it's late in the game, because I had games where I was in the ninth inning and gave up a run or two and lost the game. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I would much rather take the shutout because nine times out of ten, I'm going to get a win out of that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, 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 would, I would agree. I would say that's what you would that's what you would strive for, and you definitely will take the seven and two with the W, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Garrett, how about when you're building a relationship with a new catcher, like you are now with Gary Sanchez, what goes into that? What are the most important parts of, of of doing that and doing it right? I think just buying into the other person, really. Um, oftentimes, some of the best qualities of a catcher are just kind of to be the pitcher's, you know, best friend or somebody that he can lean on, uh, you know, while he's going through the shit. And uh, I think it, the relationship can work the same, vice versa. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to talk with Gary all the time and, you know, try to get him, try to, try to get to know him, um, but also like support him, you know, in in his hitting and his blocking when he's catching other guys, trying to support his relationship with other people, because ultimately if the communication's flowing, I mean, he's the one guy that, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of catchers are managers is because all the, all the information flows through the catcher. So you can facilitate that conversation between the catchers and the pitchers. I uh, usually have a lot of, I think, continuity between the whole team. So easiest way is just to be, just to become friends, like literally like really friends, like everybody, every catcher that I had that I played with, but during the time that we played together, we were really close from Victor Martinez to Jason Kendall, to Russell Martin, to Brian McCann, who I just, you know, was with in Atlanta. Like, um, yeah, I mean, the the best way to is just to really know them, know their family, know what they like, you know, different ways to to communicate and not just always baseball. It can't yeah. always just be baseball because, you know, at certain points you're going to bump heads. You got to have some kind of way to communicate 
outside of the field, um, outside of being on the mound. So, um, you know, the easiest way is, is what Garrett's doing. You know what I mean? And him and Gar- Gary are becoming close. And, you know, we had a conversation where it was kind of like he was texting through somebody else and Gary was like, nah, fuck that. I just texted myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that type of stuff. And that type of stuff goes a long way with Gary, too. Like, he's not talking through Marlon. Like, I'm talking to you directly, you know? So that's uh, that, that's huge. I think, too, uh, like you said, you, you just become close with your catcher because by and large, when, when you go out there and pitch, at the end of the day, you're grinding to a certain extent, and then he's grinding at the same time because he's been squatting back there for two hours. So you bond over that, and, and then uh, you also – the same kind of holds true, uh, you know, the, the, the wrong pitch with the right conviction often has a better chance than the right pitch with the wrong conviction. So sometimes if the slider's needed, but you know, the guy wants to throw the heater, like if you drop the heater down, he's probably going to get it by him, you know, just in that spot. And so there are a lot of big pitches like that. And that doesn't come from the card. That doesn't come from the game plan that comes from like, just, I'm assuming it's coming from how if your best friend came into the park and he was in a bad mood, like he wouldn't need to say anything to you for you to recognize that he was in a bad mood. And so if the catcher can recognize whatever emotion that is, like, and tap into that, like sync together, you just, you get, you get good stuff. You get good stuff that day. Sato was great at that and Victor Martinez, but, but, but Posado would like, he knew I would throw, want to throw a slider to somebody, say it was, I don't know, I mean, I'm just making up somebody, Bobby Abreu or Garrett Anderson. Like, I would always throw them sliders. And he would, if I if I wanted to throw a slider, but he wanted me to throw a heater, he would just give me a one and, like, come, like throw this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And that would make <laughs> yeah. me, like, let's go then. Like, like you know, if yeah. you feel like I can get it by him, then I'm going to get it by him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like... Uh, ha- I remember too with I remember too with Maldonado. He would he would say the same thing, but he wouldn't throw the fastball down and 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 give you the fist. He would he would throw the fastball down and let me shake to the slider glider to the fastball. So he would like reverse the split. No, I wanted to shake so he could mix up the he could mix up the shake. So it would be unpredictable, and it was like crazy. He was like, you know why you know why I threw the fastball there? And I was like, why is it? Because I wanted you to shake to the slider because we hadn't done that all game. And I was like, how the, how do you know that? Like, yeah, great. see, that's great. That's, that's great. great. That that's helps top, you. That's top notch. Yes, like yeah. and that makes that you bro wanna... was like, oh, oh, dude, he shook to the fastball four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is fantastic, Garrett. What um. Who who's the guy on? And I know it's got to be a little weird just getting to know new teammates with the protocols and everything uh, this season. But who's the guy you find yourself talking shop with the most on this team? Um, I'm pretty close with um, probably probably Britain. We're 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 locker mates uh, more or less. And um, yeah, timing is he's always around, right? Because like we can't you know it's you can't just be with people, you know. Yeah, I've been able to sneak. I've been able to sneak and I, I hope the labor relations department isn't listening to this podcast, but I've been able to <laughs> sneak a few innings down by the manager and Matt uh, and Matt Blake during, during, uh, you know, during when some of the other guys are pitching, um, to, to get a kind of a better view and to get a better view, you know, just vibe of the, of the club. Cause that's where all the stuff goes on is right there. Um, so I've been able to, I've been able to keep up with them a little bit, but Britain for sure. He's just, He's just like, 
everybody's friend, you know, he's the, he's, uh, he's got, he's got friends everywhere and he communicates with everybody on the team. So, you know, he, and he's a great player rep. So he's, he's a good person to, to talk shop with a lot. Yeah. He's a great dude. He's one of our, he's, he's an R2C2 favorite, man. He, yeah, yeah. He's he a good he storyteller to, he, he too, man. He needs to start his own pod. I told him that spring yeah. training with the breakfast. I'm like, yo dog, you need to start a podcast. Like, ASAP. I know, I know, I know. He's an entertaining guy. I mean, Garrett, how? What are the challenges right now in as a, as a new teammate here in building relationships because of the protocols? The biggest thing is seeing people's faces. That's what I was about to say. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I try to smile under my mask, but I don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know. Like sometimes a smile goes a long way with people, you know, yeah. uh, when they're grinding in the cage and you just say, Hey, what's up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Looks good. But something like that, you know, and you, and you just can't do that. So that's, it's, it's that's so it weird. Sucks. It's so weird even being down there for me. Like, cause it's almost like texting people. Like you can't text the tone or like the context. Cause yeah. you can't see people's facial expressions. So yeah. you say yeah. something yeah. and it's, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to, to try to get to know people and have to wear a mask because you don't know, you know, what's going on under there. It is, it is tough. It, it reminds me, Cece, of our, uh, the book we love, Chris Voss with the negotiations that he talks about. I think it's like 12% of communication is the actual content of the words. And then yeah. whatever percentage is body language and the other percentage is facial expression, you know, Garrett, how about, man, I heard from Adam Adovino, you are an unbelievable chef that you cooked him a five-star meal during quarantine. And I know you have uh, your show with Amy, uh, the culinary experience, um, the uh, the cooking blog, I should say. What, what, yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, wh- where's the passion for cooking come from, man? Like, h- how's that going? How's that developing? Um, my mom cooked for us every night. Um of the week and my dad cooked on the weekends and my dad would include uh, my sister and I on the weekends and we would read, uh, we would, you know, read a recipe out of a book, go to the store, buy the ingredients, come back and, and, and cook usually and give mom a break. Um, so I got a lot of my, uh, passion from, from those weekends and I got a lot of my quick techniques and, and some things I, I make during the week from my mother uh, and especially her Italian dishes as well. And I, I don't know, I just always cooked through, I always cooked through college. It was cheaper. It was easier to, to cook for, you know, four or five guys and just go to, you know, walk down to Trader Joe's and just buy a chicken. And, and that was like 14, 14 bucks for dinner with chicken and roasted vegetables. And the rest was spent on beer. So it was very, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was efficient. It, uh, in that regard. Um, and I, I have a couple of nice kitchens, uh, now. And so I, I just love to use them. Uh, he is also a wine connoisseur, Ruko. And so he's who Amber calls him or Amy to figure out which wine to drink with whatever we're having that night. And he's the one that got me on no soy, no gluten. So me Ooh. looking like this came from him, you know, with the diet and stuff. We went to dinner in spring training and I started talking about keto. We started talking about diet and you know, I uh, started, he, he told me about soy and gluten and I started reading up and now that's my diet, man. I mean, Garrett, how about the work you did? How about your man is jacked up now, man? <laughs> I, I mean, let's be honest. It's more than a little more hard work than just the soy and the gluten. But, um, um, 
yeah, by, by and large, it's hard to get high quality soy products. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, I'm, I'm glad it helped him. I mean, he looks great. I mean, really he does. Uh, he needs to play a little more catch, but he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how about that right, first dude, pitch? I can, I'm, hey. came, I came right up through it, bro. I if, got you. And, if I mean, he didn't scoop that, that like they playing that shit on ESPN. That's like the real. You know, if he does not scoop, he, he saved me, man. He saved my life. It's right like there. it's like Fauci won, and then CC I mean, <laughs> burning both of you. But the pick finished it is a nice. I mean, all it's like the infielders, you know, like. Yo. They, all make these they all make these great plays and they make these horse shit throws and somebody just saves their ass at the end and they end up on sports center you know yeah. what's crazy you should see the picture of me actually throwing bro it is horrible like i really need to i really need to practice dog like it, i look i look really bad it looked like it uh was kind of like what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing and then you just like yeah. <laughs> Get, oh, yeah, get, he was talking to you the whole time. Oh <laughs> man, that was so. It was so awkward being uh, up there. Like it, that seems like some uh, like a lifetime ago for me now. Like being on a mound and like I don't know. It's weird. Even like watching you. I was watching you uh, yeah. one of those um, the during the summer camp and like just watching you out there grinding. I'm like, man, like I used to do that. Like. It's weird now, like, sitting in the stands and just watching you guys, man. It's crazy. I will say, I've only, I've thrown one ceremonial first pitch out at my high school, and um, it's unsettling to step on the mound without cleats. Yeah. For sure. Mm. And I'm I'm sure you pitched in metal your whole career. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how anybody would throw in not metal, so... Yeah, it's a it's a little it was a little unnerving. I almost bounced it too, um, <laughs> and, I, and and I just got you know a contract for the Yankees, so I considered myself a pretty decent thrower at that point. And I almost <laughs> bounced. That's great. Hey, G- Garrett, can I? I want to throw out a few questions from our followers, if that's yeah. all right. Um, sure. J- John Hoey, who actually. Uh, host an awesome Star Wars podcast, by the way. CC and I are big Star Wars fans. Are you yeah. into Star Wars at all, Garrett? I, I'm not a. I, I do love Star Wars, but I'm not a Star Wars like geek kind of Got thing. You. But I do. I do love the movies. If it's on, I'm watching it. All right, that's fair. We're, 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 we're considering we'll you a fan, that. then. Yeah, sure. we'll take that for sure, man. Um, so John wants to know: Are you superstitious? And do you have any superstitions you always practice on days you're scheduled to pitch? I would say. Uh, I wouldn't call it a superstition. I would just call it a fact. I'm going to avoid spicy foods on days that I pitch. And <laughs> okay. outside of that, um, I, I don't know if it's super, it's more like I want to nail my routine before I get in. So I, I have things pretty, pretty timed out. Um, so I do like to, I do like to follow those, follow those things as, as smoothly and as like, effortlessly as I can and try not to think about, you know, what the next move is as I, as I go through my day. Um, so I'm pretty particular about that, but I wouldn't say I'm superstitious. Um, some I'm as superstitious as any other baseball player on the field in terms of like, uh, don't touch the trash that blows on the field or, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you don't, you know, you don't celebrate before your days, you know, celebrate before your day's over. Cause usually your day ends up bad when you give it like a fist pump too early or something like that. And, um, <laughs> you know, some other things, whatever the team's into too, is also important. If the team is superstitious, then I'm on board with that. Um, but 
that's a little bit me. It's not, it's kind of vanilla. It's not very interesting. What, what's the, see, I'd be curious about this too, because we've had these conversations, but what's the thing that like, you just absolutely do not want to hear someone say to you the day you're pitching. Like if they come up to you and say this, you're like, oh no, come on. Like it, 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 you do not want to hear it the day you're pitching. Cause we, cause C and I have talked about, C was always so comfortable yeah, um, the only thing like, that would bug, bug me is like, because the media would always bother me on the day that I pitch. That's it. Like, but as far as people, I wanted people to talk to me so yeah, I could keep my mind yeah. off of the game. But, but if the I media go back come, and forth, yeah. yeah, okay, I go back and forth. I have my headphones on uh, when I'm doing stuff that I want to, I want to focus on, and I don't want to be around other people. But by and large, before the game, certainly at least at least an hour. 45 minutes to an hour before the game, I don't have my headphones on. I would say I like to, I definitely like to interact with people. Um, but what bugs me probably would be is if you were talking to me and you didn't know I was pitching. Mm. If you knew I was pitching and you were talking to me, then you were most likely very short, concise with your words and you were not trying to ramble and you were like, yeah, you were like. The, the only time I wore headphones was Stevie stretching me. So when Stevie stretched me, um, I'll put my headphones in and listen to like whatever song. But that was literally the only time, just because I didn't want to talk during that time. That was the only time I would like think about the game. Uh, 15 minutes, Stevie stretched me. And then after that, like I'm back to normal. I do. I have it on with my routine that I warm up on kind of by myself. And then I put on a little bit of music when I'm going over my, uh, when I'm writing my scouting report. And then outside that, I got my headphones off. Mm, got it we got one more for you garrett and thanks for giving us so much time man a lot of people a a lot of people wanted to know what you think about judge and so i'm not going to name just one handle we had a ton of people asking you asking what it's like watching judge day in day out especially this start that he's off to and and being his teammate now he's a he's a special player special talent uh he needs to get called up to the to the next league uh (laughs) because the parks here can't they're not made for people his size. Um, I mean, and then to have just those larger than life talent attributes align with, you know, a larger than life personality, you know, you're watching kind of a one of one and, and I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I, I feel like, you know, come across a couple of unique players uh, in terms of that. And I think there's another one on the team uh, named DJ LeMayu it's that that talent to see the ball and hit the ball just it just doesn't come around much in generations and I, I don't know I think he's I think he's pretty talented but Judge is just like it's almost super superheroish it's not real sometimes you know <laughs> it's true man I mean just the way he hit that that rocket out to right center last right night, it's like right what? that was oh. just like uh, that was that was just like that was, a, just like, that was that. like a like a yeah it was just uh. That was, was a base like, hit swing, you know what I'm saying? Like a like a like a line drive. Hundred percent, it was a base hit. Hundred percent, it was a base hit. And that shit went five hundred feet off the Toyota sign, like yeah. And it was it was like, but oh, he man. could even like flare a pop up, and that shit's three hundred and thirty feet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like his yeah. home runs to right are like they're fucking flares, cause like them shits are like moving yeah, to yeah, the some line. Of them are. <laughs> no, some the of them ones are. down the line. I'm saying like those shits are pop ups, cause he just hits the ball and that shit's gone. That's what makes him impossible to. That's what makes him like impossible to pitch to. Is like he hits it off the he hits the ball off the label, 
um, which he wants to do because he's backing the ball up and he beats the outfielder. That's <laughs> what's that's what's like different about everybody. It's like you're sometimes you know even guys with with like deadly with deadly accuracy ball to the barrel like uh, who overperform for their size. A couple of the guys uh, in Houston or. Um, I mean, everybody's so big on our team. I'm trying to think of somebody else who, you know, Raphael Devers, like if mm-hmm. he clips it, it goes like 450. But like if he, if these guys don't, if they don't hit it though, like it doesn't go out. Like AJ doesn't hit it and it, it's got a shot anywhere in any <laughs> park. And it's, it's, it's like we had a lot of home runs in, in, in Houston and, and, but then like the type of home runs that we had here, like they go out anywhere. Every time there's no wall scrapers. If it's a wall scraper, it's Giancarlo and he just dropped a two iron on like a f- fastball <laughs> down the way. And it, and it was like one twelve, and it clipped the top. And then that's the only like, do you or hits about 430 feet too. It's a freaking yeah. eight hole. He's the yes. eight hole. And he hits 430 foot. Luke. You got like, 40, 40. back. Man. 40. I mean, and then GT not even really going yet. Sanchi not going yeah. yet. And then you got Miggy in the minor leagues. Like the lineup is insane, bro. It's it's crazy. It's you got Brett Gardner going oppo. Like, what's I going mean, on? well, that's a fucking oh, joke. Whoa. We gotta get these baseballs <laughs> back to normal, cuz because hey, no, when no, I no, play no, with that guy, top hand. I keep telling that him shit, this is that top shit hand. was a double behind the tarp, cuz that shit he's fucking in Homer's oppo, cuz get the fuck out of here. I'm not buying that bullshit. <laughs> I, I, the balls are the balls are 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 that's why that's where I draw the line. Guardy going oppo, I draw the line. Fuck that. <laughs> Uh, Garrett, thank thank you for giving us so much time, man. I I love the enthusiasm for the lineup, too, man. I could just see, you know, in addition to being an ace, I could see what an awesome teammate you are, just seeing how enthused you get about your bats, man. I love it. Hey, we we, we watch, I watch 130, well, typically in a usual year, I watch 130 baseball games and play in 30. So when you get to watch world-class lineup like this, uh, you know, you don't have to go to ESPN to find it. You just have to go to work. And so that's quite, that's nice. That is nice. <laughs> Pretty awesome, man. That's a well, great ne- way to sum it up. Next time we have you on, I'm going to have to ask you about some of your favorite uh, producers from Bordeaux. Cause I know you're a Bordeaux guy. And I, love, I love my wine. So I'm, I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a little cold tutorial on Bordeaux next time. You got you it. Can- Let's check in soon. Then He's the guy I'm telling you. Sound sounds good, man. Garrett, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. I see you. All right. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of R2C2. If you like what you heard, don't forget to go follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ringer MLB show will be back with regular programming on Wednesday.